smallbusinesstogrow.com. Today we are talking to John and CJ Finn, the owners of a family pizza restaurant in DeKalb, Illinois, that if my math is correct, you guys have been open for, is it 65 years? Correct, since uh, 1956. And how many generations of your family have been in it? Uh, CJ is the third. So third generation. And then John, you had some siblings in the business as well. Is that right? Yes. My uh, father and my two brothers uh, actually bought it in 1968. So we've owned it since 1968. My brother worked there while he was in high school and the other owner had some difficulties or whatever. And my dad and my other brother, Donnie, thought it'd be a good business to go into and they bought it and and here we are today. And here you are a few generations later. And then it, it's pizza is competitive. I think it's reasonable to say that, that pizza is competitive. Folks can hit the grocery store and get a frozen that they take home and bake. Uh, the chain pizza places can make a, a terribly inexpensive pizza. And here you guys are in a college town, no less. And college students typically, they're probably going to buy cheap first if and only if they can't find free. And then after that, they're probably not getting, they're not ordering. So you guys, you guys have made it for six plus decades, family owned, competitive environment. What do you guys, when you look at that, like what's your secret? Like what makes you, why are you still open? Consistency. You know, we get reviews all the time. Oh, I came here in the seventies, went to NIU. I came back last week, tasted the exact same as it did. 40 plus years ago. Um, and I mean, you know, you could go to a, a chain place or somewhere else and it could taste different every week, depending on who's preparing the food. Um, so to hear that, I mean, that's probably the biggest compliment that you could get from somebody. And when you guys look at operations, uh, you're pretty systemized then. Like you have a, a set repeatable way of, of running your kitchen, I would imagine. Is, is that a fair statement? Uh, we're like an assembly line. We're like a Ford Motor Company. I mean, it starts at one end. The guy rolls it, puts on the sauce. Then it goes to all the ingredients in the oven. And then it's like a horse-shaped kitchen. And then the other side, they come out and we box it. So it's very, it's very streamlined. Um, I would say we're very efficient. I mean, from start to finish, we can make a pizza in a minute, minute and a half, you know, depending on the toppings that are on it. You know, so it's very, everybody has their job and everybody assembles it and it comes out hopefully made correctly. And, and was that like at some point, was that deliberate uh, by the part of your, maybe your dad or you and your brothers to kind of systemize it and make it an assembly line? Well, I think when we built this place, we built this building in 1970, they designed the kitchen around that way. The old We've had, this is our, our second building, the old building on South 4th Street, which I was only eight years old. It was a very small kitchen. So there wasn't a lot of room for that kind of stuff. Everybody was kind of bumping into each other. So I think when they decided to build this place, they were going to make it. I mean, we have a huge kitchen for just a pizza restaurant. I mean, a lot of people come in and get a job here and their whole prep area and kitchen and everything wasn't as big as ours. So 
they uh, they did a very good job in laying it out. So that was probably something from their experience by design. They knew that if they wanted to CJ's point, the repeatability that can go for decades, which if somebody came in in the 70s and came back in the 2020s and said the pizza is the same, it's repeatable. But very deliberately, they planned that. They said, hey, this is what we need to do the job right. Yeah, and keeping all the recipes the same. I mean, we make our own dough, we make our own sauce, we have our sausage um, seasoned for us, specialty. We have a kind of a custom blend cheese. So none of that has really changed. I mean, none of it has changed. The cheese has because one factory went out of business, but we gave the recipe to another cheese factory and um, they duplicated it. So. I mean, that's, that's the main thing is trying to keep the ingredients the same and, and the, um, all the things that we make ourselves keep a close eye on to make sure they're all done correctly. And, and from a data standpoint, how, how long does it take you to make a pizza? Not the, not the bake in the oven. You said a minute? Yeah, I mean, if it's just a cheese pizza, probably under a minute. So you guys are aware of that, like you're, from a data standpoint, you're looking at the numbers and you've done it enough to know we can put a pizza cheese, assemble it from scratch and have it ready to go into the oven in about a minute. Correct. Yeah. And you're only, I mean, a cheese pizza, you're only talking 10 minutes. So you're talking, some of you come here and get a fresh cheese pizza, probably equivalent of going through the pickup line at McDonald's, Portillo's, any of those places. And, and I think, so full, full disclosure for the people that are watching this are listening. I, I am a Pizza Villa customer and you guys do have some of the shortest wait times. Like when you call and order a pizza or you dine in and, and you order a pizza, you're, it, it's fast and it's hot when you get it. It's hot and it's quick. So and I, I think that's testament to you guys having good business systems that are repeatable and that everybody in the kitchen understands. And it sounds like, you know, if, if, if my position is to make the dough, then that's, that's what I'm doing and I'm not doing other stuff. That's exactly right. I mean, you could have four people in the kitchen to make one pizza and each person has their own specific job. So back to that board assembly line again, you know, it's, you know, it starts here and then it's gonna move down to the next person and then eventually end up in the oven and then out of the oven and into a box and on a delivery truck or out to the table. That is correct. Um, when you look at the, the delivery side of things, one of the things that you guys are a little bit different on, and again, I know this because I'm in your area, is you have branded delivery trucks. So the de are all of the delivery drivers in your vehicles? What was the question? The delivery trucks. So you guys, Correct. Pizza Villa owns those. Correct. Who who, yes. des, who decided to do that? So a lot of pizza places, they hire a driver. The driver uses their car and it might be a minivan or subcom. There's no, no branding, no anything. Yet you guys have these rolling billboards driving around town. Like whose decision was that? Did, like That was my brother, Larry and Donnie probably somewhat, but Larry kind of always uh, pushed the envelope to go up and beyond the, the normal pizza delivery. Um, 
They're made by a company called Delivery Concepts. Um, one reason why a lot of places don't have them is that it's an expensive endeavor. The oven itself on the back is like $17,000 and then you have the price of a vehicle. Um, our main thing is we're always quality and the oven is heated to 180 degrees inside. So whether it's, I'm not gonna say it's 180 degrees when it's 50 below out, but when it's normal winter time, you're putting that in a stable 180 degree oven, getting it from point A to point B, it is gonna be much better than a product put in a bag, thrown on the front seat of a car and driven there. And, and I think, you know, for the, the business owners, the entrepreneurs out there, even if you're running somebody else's organization, uh, if you've watched this far and you're thinking, I don't own a pizza place, how does this apply to me? There's two things with that. One, I'm, I'm hearing that somebody deliberately said we can turn our delivery trucks into advertising. But the second part is what you just said, John, it's quality. Uh, everybody wants a hot pizza. And by having that oven, the pizza is going to come out of the truck and go up to someone's front door and it's still hot. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's all, everything we try to do to be totally honest is all about trying to get the best product to the people and make money and stay in business. I mean, like you said, there's lots of lots of options for pizza. We are definitely not the cheapest. We're on the high side, but when you boil down to the quality and all the care that we put into it, as we found out, most people will spend a little extra to get that. And, and that's, you know, other business owners and executives we've done this with have, have kind of made some, some similar statements. And I boil it down to that individual in a leadership capacity or as the owner has a set of beliefs like you guys believe in, in a quality pizza so therefore what you do and don't do is hitched to the quality yes that oven in the back of the truck there's an expense but that allows you to check box number one which is quality pizza so if you want to deliver quality well you got to have that heated oven the box on the back of the truck so that's it's interesting, but we're, we're, as we do more of these on small business to grow, we're actually seeing a lot of the same threads in the successful people, which is there's a, there's a rhyme and reason. Like they have principles, like we produce a quality product. We don't want to be the cheapest and we're going to make decisions about quality. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I go out, I usually try to eat pizza at every place where I go on vacation or whatever. And you can always tell the people that use quality ingredients and the people that don't. I mean, you can definitely taste the difference. And, and so how long have you been working in the, in the pizza place, John? Oh, since I was about 10 years old. So I'm 62 now. So that's like 52 years. And, and what's crazy with that is, again, an opportunity for people watching this. If you own your own business or you're running somebody else's, you just heard a gentleman that has been in the pizza business for 50 years. So he could easily delegate to CJ and say, you go order the pizza and try it. But as the owner, you're, you're out there, if you're traveling or whatever, you're, you're taking the time to try other pizza. And you're not trying to pass that off to somebody else. 
No, I just always think it's, it's always fun to see what other people are doing. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, you know, but it still boils down to crust, sauce, and cheese. I mean, the ingredients are ingredients. I mean, the weirdness of them or the difference of them. But if you don't have a good crust, a good sauce, and a good cheese, you won't have a good pizza. You want a good pizza, go order a cheese pizza somewhere, see what it tastes like, because everything else you're just hiding. You're hiding everything. If those three are consistent, they're good. It doesn't matter what else you get on your pizza. It should be good. Interesting. And, and we've, we've even had owners of a, or one of the co-owners of a large craft distillery, they make whiskey and they, the owners have done the same thing and they still do. They go and walk the liquor aisles themselves and look at other brands, bottles, the labels, the packaging, the shape of the bottle, the color of the glass, all of this. And when you look at the size of, of your organization, a lot of people would look at it and say, well, well, they, they could just pay somebody to do that. But really, you gain a lot of experience by being the one that, it, that it knows enough, CJ, like you just said, like, hey, if they're cheap, you, all you need to do is try the cheese pizza. And you know that from experience. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't hide it. I mean, there are places out there that use a blend of, they call it fake cheese and mozzarella cheese. There's, I mean, there's all, there's all different ways you can cut corners in the pizza business. And that's where you guys, so I had this conversation with somebody about your, your pizza. They said, well, the cheese is different. And my response was, I think if I remember right in talking to the owner, it's because they use real cheese. And some pizza place, like, I don't know what it is, but it's fake. Right. Or it's partially or it's 50, 50, you know, because it's cheese is probably one of the most expensive ingredients you have. I mean, it, and it fluctuates a lot. So, I mean, we use a hundred percent mozzarella, low fat. That that's all we've ever used. We've never used anything different. And for, for the other, probably, especially with the chains, they're looking for cheap, and to control costs, if you reduce the amount of the 100% mozzarella, you do a blend, it, it takes costs out, allows you to have a lower price point and maintain or improve profitability. Again, back to you guys being principled on quality, it goes back to the quality. You know, if you cut that, you're going to lose quality. Well, in your talk, you're not even counting, you know, these places, these chains, it's coming pre-shredded in a bag ready to go. We're getting in blocks and we're having guys grind the cheese ourselves, put it in tubs, and then we're doing it. So we're, you're taking another two, three hours just to get the cheese from the state, we got it, to a state to put it on the pizza. And that's not really? worth it to a lot of people. And for you guys, it's worth it because back to the quality. Correct. Right. Well, and plus, I mean, there's no middleman with us. We buy, we buy from a cheese manufacturer. We, I know the owners. We we buy just from them. And when you get that cheese that's all pre-packaged and pre-ground, they have to mix things in it so it doesn't all clump together. So you're adding something in there that may have a weird taste or, or whatever. I, it just doesn't belong in the cheese. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's nothing in our cheese. We get it from the cheese delivery on Tuesday. We grind it, it's fresh, and we get cheese every week. And um, our cheese is seven to eight days old when we get it because we also have a time frame on how long we the cheese has to sit before we use it 
to where it browns nice and breaks down nice. So in in so in, in that regard, in, and I know some of this because I've talked to you guys about it before, but that that is another data point. So you already you have enough experience to know the cheese needs to age a little bit, if you will, so that it browns nice, which ties back to that quality. But then at the same time, once it's past a certain age, you're not going to use it anymore. Correct. I mean, that's up to us in ordering and getting it right on how much you're going to use a week. But our guy is also good about taking it back and they'll, they will uh, give it to somebody else that uses it in a different manner where age doesn't matter. So we have a very good relationship with our, with our cheese vendor. And, and that too is, you know, supply chain management, I call it. Uh, a lot of people would look at what you guys do and say, well, it, it, it's pizza. How hard could it be? But if you want quality pizza, you have to build that relationship with your supply chain and then manage the relationship. Hey, we've got 10 pounds that it's passed when we like to use it. Can you take it back and give us something else? And maybe someone that doesn't care about the age, they'll use it. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Oh, definitely. I mean, and there's once in a while where, I'll call them on stuff and say, you know what, it's just not right. And they'll go back into their plant and they'll, they'll find a problem. And they, they always count on me because CJ and I are always here. We see the product, we know what's right and what isn't right. And they say a lot of their customers, they'll say, oh, I never even noticed there was anything wrong with the cheese. You know, so having eyeballs on the cheese every, every day, every, every pizza almost, is just a huge, a huge plus also. And that goes back to the quality control. I mean, it, it, God forbid something's not right or the cheese is bad, it never ends up in front of the customer. This podcast is brought to you by smallbusinesstogrow.com, the website by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Why reinvent the wheel? Start growing your business with best practices from industry-leading small business owners, executives, in entrepreneurs take their wheel put it to work in your business and start growing today smallbusinesstogrow.com to learn more right yeah i mean i've had them call up i mean we go through i don't know 12 1300 pounds a week or whatever but they've come and picked up they've come and picked up five or six hundred pounds without question you know so that's not an issue so for, again, business folks watching this, make sure you build good relationships with your supply chain, see them as a partner. And then God forbid, if you're ordering 1200 pounds of raw material, if half of it's bad, there's an opportunity to work something out where they can take that bad product back and get you what you actually need. Uh, another data thing, John, if I remember right, I think you had adjusted your dining in hours at one point back you, re, you you closed dining earlier because you weren't seeing people dining in am i remembering that right well we have a point of sale system that tracks everything and it tracks sales by hours and we look at that and for us the late business just didn't make sense we just weren't doing enough late business and the data showed that and by the time you get you know your lights, electricity, help, and everything else, and you're not, and you're only making a twenty pizzas or whatever. The profitability wasn't there, so that's CJ's job. He's uh, he's a computer guy, so he's he just you know came up to said it's just really 
not beneficial to be open. And, you know, if you caught a half hour, 45 minutes each day, pretty soon that adds up to a day for in a week. And, and I think CJ, so that, I mean, so that was your call. So you were looking at the traffic, how many pizzas were being made and then the incoming revenue. And it, it was just a loser. Yeah. I mean, I like to track, we look at the prime costs. We look at the, you know, cost of goods. We look at, you know, all those numbers. Cause if you don't know those numbers, I mean, you're not looking at them, you know, you could make all this money and then you look at your bank account and you go, why do I only make a thousand dollars if we're this busy? You know, if you're not keeping track of how much inventory you're buying, you know, what is, what am I paying my employees? What's my wages? What's it all break down to based on what I'm bringing in? And when we looked at it, you said, Hey, you know, cost of, you know, hourly wages is going up and I got to pay, you know, 50, 60, $70 an hour. And you make three pizzas cause it's the middle of December and no one wants a pizza. You just wasted an hour of, wages to sit around and, and do nothing. And, and I think a lot of many times, especially newer business owners, they don't understand their, their numbers and they do things kind of like you said, they're like, well, we, we sold three pizzas and it's like, yeah, but you're, or whatever the number sold later right. in the evening, but your cost to sell them is greater than your incoming revenue. So you, you can't, you can't do that very long or you go bankrupt or you, you'll go under exactly now a data thing that i've always found interesting that you guys shared um is for a long time you guys keep a note or two every day is that right are you willing to share any of that the calendar and the one or two lines of what happened that day because i think these guys are crazy Ray. huh they're crazy they got they got calendars back to the seventies of how many pizzas, how many pan pizzas, what the weather was, was there an event? Did it snow? You know, I mean, you can go back. They have a repair book of every repair that's been in this building from the seventies. So you're talking about some meticulous note keeping and it's huge because you, you look back and you go, Oh, well, there's a football game this year. I wonder what happened. It's going to be 70 degrees. Well, last year it was, you know, 64 degrees on that Saturday and there was a football game and, Here's what we did. So hopefully we should expect something similar to that. And honestly, that book is like an almanac for us. It is so spot on. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I call it the Bible. Who, who came and, uh, up with it? Who took My who? brother, Donnie, he was kind of like Ray Rayner. He always had notes everywhere. His truck was a mess with notes. And he was, he just liked history. He just liked when, well, and it, it's great for a business when you repair a piece of machinery and you write down the day, what you did to it, and all of a sudden, a year and a half later, you look back and you say, wow, I just replaced that part there. There might be something else wrong. And it's, I don't know, it's just the cost of things. I'm, I'm like that too. I'm old school. I'm not a computer guy with notes and stuff. I write things down in books. And like I said, I've kept that tradition going. And I just like looking back, almost nostalgic-like, to say, wow, 10 years ago, this is what happened, you know? And we, I write things in the book about family members. I write down birthdays. I write down people born, people died. And it's just like my little, uh, I don't know, what, what, what do you call it? My little diary, I guess, you know? And anything important, usually, that happens in the Finn family, 
they all ask me if it made the book at the villa. And I'll say, yep, you made the book. That You made the book, so nice. you're in there. So, so for people watching, um, they the, the Finns have these basically, count, we'll call them notebooks or calendar books that go back to the 70s. So we're talking, what, 50 years of data where on this date, the weather was this, this event was going on in town, we sold this many pizzas. So that's one aspect of it. From a business standpoint, um, again, the Pizza Villa is in DeKalb, Illinois. It's by Northern Illinois University. It's a, it's a, it's a college town. But you guys can go back and look and say every time Saturday in October, there's a home football game. If it's sunny and nice out, we typically sell this many pizzas. If we have this bizarre cold front that comes through and it rains, we sell this many pizzas. And that's got to just give you some powerful data that will drive ordering raw materials, staffing, everything. Right. Well, there's always two books on the desk, the current year and the last year. And they're always to the same page because a lot of events happen on or about the same time every year. I mean, you take pumpkin parade, you take all these different events in DeKalb and they're all pretty much around the same time. And me being not having kids young and taking them out like that, that kind of jogs my memory to say, well, this is coming up. There's a cheerleading camp, you know, at NIU this weekend, you know, we may get busy from that, you know, so it's just, it's like a, a page in history that you refer to. In a, in, a, in a lot of those pages in history, CJ, I guess, you know, that that's going to come up like the pumpkin parade is going to happen this year and it's going to happen next year and it happened last year. So you can look and see and say, hey, when the when that's going on, this is what we typically do. Yep, And it's you know, it's crazy. You look at all these big companies with their forecasting through computers and their, you know, you could go somewhere else and we would have no idea what's going on, but you bring those guys in here with all their computers and show them a notebook and tell them to staff a restaurant and figure out inventory. And that is, if not more beneficial to us than having some computer spit out some data to us. Yeah. I, I, I've always thought like, and I I've shared that story that, Hey, there's a local pizza place by us. It's family owned and run has been for decades. And they, they do this simple thing. Like, on this date, the weather, this, this, this. And it's, I think that's just such an incredible tool. Even um, for our brick and mortar business, I had management level employees at various times that had the ability to order product and which was fine, you know, that that was delegated and it freed me up. It gave them some control of the organization and whatnot. And I remember one year, one of the employees was, i didn't give her any reason not to. She ordered, I mean, it was probably 10 times the amount of product we would ever order in that month. And I knew this from looking at the data, sales are slow. And she did it because we had an event that month and she's like, well, these people are coming, we'll sell a lot of it. I'm like, it's never gonna happen. But if I had had a book that was available that showed that she might have had some guidance or if I would have been a little more hands-on with that. So I, I think having that, that book is, is gold. I think it's brilliant. It's you know, we're lucky business is pretty consistent. You know, you look at order sheets, we have a target number. 
how many do you have in stock? What's your target number to hit? And it's a, it's a streamline. Everything here is streamlined and simple. I mean, you're, you're not a giant corporation where there's 10 steps between an employee and me and my dad. You know, if there's a problem, it's a one-stop shop. And, and you guys, and you have, and I like the idea of having numbers available that says if, if you have this much in inventory, order more. And then even the repair side. So I, I had kept some notes on, on equipment in our brick and mortar, kind of for the same reason. Sometimes it was a matter of, all right, I know every 20 months I'm going to replace this because, well, it's right here in black and white. Well, right. And I mean, we have some older refrigeration units that have tiny little Freon leaks in them. And I look at my repair sheet and I know usually it's eight to 10 months where it, uh, it'll need Freon. So every once in a while, I'll glance in there and say, it's been seven months and I'll call the guy up, get him over here, put it in before I come in in the morning and it's 50 degrees. And then you're, you're working behind the eight ball then. So it's just, uh, like I said, it's just another tool to try to keep the business running efficiently, basically. And I, I think that, again, there's, there, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in, in little things like that. And because otherwise, you're, yeah, in your organization, you have perishables. So if you come in in your refrigeration, you know, if the freezers and coolers are at 50 degrees, you just lost possibly tens of thousands of dollars in raw material and you're not going across town to replace it immediately. And you probably want to open up for dinner that day. So it's, it's, it's better money. It's much more profitable to be aware of when you're going to need service and preventively take care of the service than walk in and say, Oh, oh no, we lost all of this. Right. And you just, you, I mean, me being 62, I just seem to lose concept of time like I'll say yeah that happened like three months ago and it was like nine months ago you know time just gets away from you it just you know it keeps it keeps moving and you're always so busy in your day-to-day -day that all of a sudden you know yeah it's seven months down the road you better be looking to add some more freon in that puppy or you're gonna have bad bad food and that, yeah. that's, for your your business that's terrible and even I had a sales manager, he told me that early on, he said, you need to carry a notebook. So this is in the late 90s. He said, you need to carry a notebook in your, po in your pocket. And you always need to have a Sharpie. Like I now have a Sharpie now. And this is where I learned it. He goes, because you can write on anything with that if you need to. And even if you're driving, whatever. But the other thing is you're going to forget. So if a customer needs something, you put it in that notebook, you got it. And every day you just look back at the notes every morning. And you're not going to miss something. If you don't have that, you're you're gonna you're gonna get busy and forget. Right. And and I do that like before I leave work or whatever. I usually sometimes if I have to make two or three calls the next morning, I'll write it down on a piece of paper, put it on my desk. When I come in in the morning, it just jogs it. I don't forget it. But I'm just blaming that on old age. CJ probably doesn't have that problem. But you can develop the good habit of writing it down because then you can't forget it. Exactly. Now, what about how did you guys manage the pandemic? I mean, you're still open, so you came out the other side. Um, you shut. You had to close for the when the state said no one's coming and going. So you made it. 
did you guys do anything different or? I mean, yeah, it was a unique situation for us that we were already prepared for. I mean, we didn't have any of the difficulties of having to figure out how we're going to do pickup and delivery. Where are we going to get the supplies to do pickup and delivery? What's this going to look like? You know, we, we were already used to that. Um, you know, a positive, it allowed us to start doing a curbside pickup, which we've heard feedback from, you know, a lot of moms who have kids in the car. They don't want to leave the kids in the car to come in to come get the food. Um, that was a positive out of the pandemic. We changed, like you said, the hours of operation a little bit because the late night hours weren't there. Um, so it actually allowed us to even optimize our business even more. I mean, we're only open six to seven hours a day. So in those six to seven hours, you have to make money like you're open for a full day and you got to get things in and out. And that's where our delivery trucks were huge. You know, people had delays waiting for their Uber Eats and their Grubhubs where we had our own delivery trucks ready to go at our disposal. We weren't having to deal with third-party vendors. And we never closed. Our dining room had to close, but we, we, we never missed one day of, uh, of business. I mean, some days with staffing, it was a definite challenge. I mean, everybody has worked more hours and harder during the last year and a half, you know, but, um, it was a really eerie feeling because I remember last homecoming, again in the book, no dining room. I mean, I came out here at seven o'clock where the place should have 300 people and there wasn't a soul in here, you know, and it's just, it was a really, really eerie time when our dining room was closed. So that's going to be a note that generations will look at. They're going to see a goose egg. They're going to see a zero for dine-in on homecoming weekend 2020. And normally right. you see how many? 300? Yeah. So I guess like, we, yeah, didn't, I mean, we didn't mention that. You guys can see what's your capacity at one time. I would, uh, yeah, I'd say pretty close, 280, 300. We've uh, skinnied it up a little bit. Well, now we've skinnied it up a little more just because of hiring issues. But for a pizza place, we have five different levels and can seat, you know, over 250 people. It's a very, a very strange building that my dad designed. And so that, so for people that have never been to Pizza Villa, one, we'll invite you to come uh, have pizza. But two, you got like, it's your, your facility is large. Like it's, so what John just said is five level, levels of seating. So there, that seats a lot of people. So this isn't a small uh, neighborhood, 90% takeout pizza parlor with seating for four. Like you guys are legit a large operation. Um, and CJ, it sounds like it, from the pandemic, you guys heard from families that, hey, it's kind of nice to have you walk the pizza out to our car so we don't have to drag the kids in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just any way that we feel we can service our customers, we're always going to put our customers first. So if that means having two spots taken up for curbside pickup that makes it easier for, you know, a mom with a young family. Sure, not a problem. You know, anything that we can do to adapt our business to help our customers. And I think you have to, if you're not willing to grow and you're not willing to change and adapt, then you're going to be out of business. So are you guys are still doing that then? Yeah, we still offer a few spots still to this day, just because the feedback was so strong that people liked it, that we said, okay, we can incorporate that in our continual day-to-day -day business now. And a lot of people still with the COVID thing just don't want to come inside. 
or they might be elderly, you know, as of, it is a lot less now than it was. I mean, during the pandemic, we had, we had two of our people, that's all they did was run pizza out to the cars. I mean, that was their only job is was to take food out, you know, and they ran, I mean, and they were busy because basically nobody wanted to come in at that time, you know, so that was a, a big aspect for us, you know, and like CJ said, we were already set up. So pizza places did very well during the pandemic. Because you were already equipped, especially you guys with your own fleet of vehicles to manage the delivery side of things without that reliance on somebody else. And, and again, back to quality. If you, if you try and quality and money, delivery. you know, those, those places take 10 to 15%, you know, and when you're giving away 10% of, of a margin in the food industry, that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's a huge margin. It may not be for a specific item, but for a restaurant, 10% is make or break for some people. So that, that's critical then. And you guys know your right. numbers well enough to know you can't give that away. Right. right? Uh, things, and so things that make you guys different, again, because I've been there, uh, and, and maybe you can set, shed some light on this, but the beer nuggets, who, who came up with that? Are they a, a, a villa thing? What, what restaurant came up with that? Well, I'm the oldest, so I guess I got to tell it. Actually, J.P. Hannigan's back in the, I'm going to say early 70s, had them first. But they used, to my knowledge, the scrap dough from like the thin pizzas, saved them, re-balled it up, and then fried them. And they were just gangbusters, you know, so, so we figured, all right, well, let's figure this out. So my brother Larry actually developed a whole different dough. No scraps, no nothing. We made a whole different dough and a whole different sauce and started selling them. And that's how we came up with the Villa Nugget. And, and actually, we had a one of our trucks was called the Nugget Truck. So if you were over in the dorms, any of the towers, you would call and just say, send the truck over to Stevenson South. And he would have 20, 30 nuggets on the truck. He would drive over there. They'd come out and make the sale. And he would do that for four or five hours straight. And all we would do Jeez. is just make nuggets, put them on the truck, and sell them. So in, in the, the, the Villa Nuggets, are it's fried dough. And you Correct. guys, so, you're, so Larry stepped in, said, this is a hot, hot item across town at J.P. Hannigan's. We need to do this, but back to quality, he went up to them and said, we're making a special dough. And there, there's nothing wrong with repurposing this scrap, I suppose, of the crust. But he said, we're going to make a special dough. And then the, the red sauce, they typically come with red sauce. The sauce is different than you get on the pizza. And then you guys created a revenue stream by saying, we're going to load up a truck. And if they call, we'll be over there with a truckload of nuggets. And that, that had to be a gold mine at that time. Oh, it was. I think that paid for the trucks, to be honest. Um, because he was there. I mean, they would call up and he would be there within five minutes. I mean, he'd be over at Lincoln. I mean, and that's when they had all the dorms, Lincoln, Grant, Douglas and all that. You know, so, I mean, I think we got to do that for oh, four or five years. Until 
I don't know what happened, but Northern came and said that's soliciting. We do not allow soliciting, so you can't do it anymore. And our argument was, how is it soliciting when they call us and we're just deliver it fast? Yeah, but, they called us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I can't help it. Somebody else came out that didn't call, you know, but uh, it was a great run while, while it lasted. That's insane. And so I, I also did a video with Joe Walsh. So you guys probably remember Joe. And yeah, so, I know Joe. And, and J.P. Hannigan's. Um, and I didn't think to ask him about Nuggets because I've heard it, it started three different places. You guys, uh, Sergeant Poppers, and J.P. Hannigan's. And I never, so that's it. And, well, it wasn't like, us. I can tell you that fact. We're, we're out of the equation for first. But we might be the, the last man standing, though. You are the last one standing. <laughs> and, and you guys are probably the only ones that, that kind of made it better by saying we're going to make a specific dough for the nugget, and then we're going to have a sauce, and that sauce comes with the Villa Nuggets but not on the pies. Which and then is you got in different flavors. You know, you got Parmesan, then you got cinnamon, and then we added a cinnamon roll, which has frosting on it, just because, you know, people don't need extra calories. Just throw it on there. What the heck? <laughs> I love it. Now, um, you guys also have video games, which is kind of cool. There's not a lot of places where you can go and do that. I know we, we've got kids. They love playing them. Um, what about the clown? So you guys have an acrobatic electronic clown. And how long has that been in operation? uh late 70s early 80s my dad saw it bought it said we need this they had another one that had a zip line we were going to put it to go across the dining room on a zip line but that never materialized thank god because this one freaks people out enough less alone a clown zip line and over your head yeah there's 20 percent of the people are scared to death by it so. yes yes there is in but I mean, it's the same old thing, though. I mean, you'll have somebody come in with their grandkids, and the first thing they do is walk up there and say, look at that clown. That's been up there since I was coming here. You know, so it's another almost like trademark, you know, to where when that goes down and I have to, I mean, I have a steamstress that makes costumes for it. I have an extra motor in the back. I have extra pins. And actually, we have a whole set, a backup clown in case this one ever dies it took us about 25 years to find one but we found one so and and i think that ties into when you look at a business uh you can call it unique selling proposition or how do you stand out or whatever what makes you guys different uh, the cl clown for sure the video games the villa nuggets the fact that the nuggets come with a sauce that's different than the pizza those are all things that like when we bring people that have never been there before into dine, those are the things they remember, especially if they have kids. And like in my case, we've got four generations of my in-laws family that have dined in your place. So like my, my wife went awesome. there when, when she was a little kid and her and her siblings remember the clown in the video games. And now we go and our kids, it's the same thing. And if we bring another family that's got kids, the kids are pointing out, there's the clown, and they're talking about the clown, and then they're like, can we have money to go play games? Which is, yeah. which is pretty, pretty cool. 
Yeah, and that's the cool thing. I mean, you look around, everyone's going modern. Everyone is updating everything. You look around here, I mean, there's vintage signs. You know, it's dark wood. It's it's a different feel. It's not that bright metal custom. You know, you come in here. Some of the video games are the same video games from when I was a kid. You got the Flintstones. You got the Ninja Turtles. You got the Simpsons. You know, and people are amazed. And it's because if you you throw that in with the pizza, the pizza's consistent. They come here. The video games look the same. And everything is good. And everything is it's nostalgic, almost, to people. And from a pizza standpoint, I'm born and raised in the south side of the city of Chicago. And unlike what most people believe is Chicago pizza, it's not the big names in downtown Chicago. I live 15 minutes, 14 minutes from the loop in some of those big name pizza places. Chicago residents never, in the Chicago neighborhoods, they never eat at those places. We get pizza from neighborhood pizza parlors. And Pizza Villa is, tastes just like the pizza places in my old neighborhood. And it, it's, to me, it's real Chicago pizza. The crust is real. The, um, the breadcrumbs or the cornstarch under the crust is like they do in the south side of the city. And the other thing is you guys cut the pizzas, the pizzas correctly in squares, <laughs> not triangles. So it's, yeah, that really messes up our counter guy. When somebody wants a cut, we call it pie shape because you're cutting 200 pizzas square. Then that one ticket up there says cut like a pie. You know, so that 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 usually has big marks and red and stuff on it. So we get it right. That that would probably if it was me, I would probably say we don't do that here. Well, I just write I'm sorry on the box because it's normally me. <laughs> right, like it's like. We don't do it that way. So have you guys always cut the pizza in the square pieces? Yeah, every, I, I don't think the villa, I mean, some of our real little pizzas, like the kids mini pizza, sometimes I cut in a pie shape just because it's easier to eat. It's little, but when you have an 18 inch pizza, trying to eat that in a pie shape, it'd be, especially with our really thin crust, it'd be impossible. But no, it's always been, it's always been a square cup. So for the, the pizza folks out there in other parts of the country, if your pizza's cut in triangle pieces, it's wrong. And it's definitely not <laughs> Chicago style. And it start, for me, it starts right there. You open the box and it's like, what is this? Nobody cuts their pizza this way. That's New York style, right? New York is always pie shaped. Right. Yeah, we don't do that here. Um, so one of the things we always ask business owners is like, if you were going to tell somebody the top three must-dos in business and then top three don't-dos, what, what would that look like from the owners of Pizza Villa? Like, what are the top three things you have to do to be successful? Well, I see. I got mine written down like I always do. So nice. I got a few. Mine is to be prepared. There's nothing worse than coming in and not being prepared, running around, doing something last minute or whatever. So being prepared is one for me. Staying consistent with everything that you do, whether it be how, to, how you take the order, how you make the pizza, how you make the, you know, the sauce, everything is just be consistent. So 
like CJ said, somebody comes in 50 years from now and hopefully they say, wow, that tastes just like it did back in the twenties. You know, that's awesome. And then uh, we have a saying when it gets busy is don't panic. Like when it starts getting crazy and everything's going on, it's really up to us to stay calm and, and just help people when they need help. And like I said, that's always the first rule when it gets busy is we have a guy that's been working for us, Miguel rolling for 25 years and he'll just yell out, don't panic down there, just do a job, you know? So that's, it's a fun thing. It's a fun phrase, but it's a really true thing is that you just have to stay the course and just knock out the tickets as they come. And I even added a fourth was um, to just be friendly to people, treat people how you want to be treated. I know they're saying the customer's always right, but sometimes they aren't, but you let them believe they are and just uh, go with it. And uh, we are very, oh God, I don't want to say gullible or whatever, but we're here to make it right. If you complain, you'll probably get something out of it because I just believe if you're going to take the time to complain that there must be something wrong, whether it's our fault or your fault, we will try to make it right on your next pizza. And CJ, do you have top three of your own? Yeah, I'd say, uh, no, I can't steal his, come on. Uh, I'd say first, you gotta have good people. You gotta hire good people. You gotta train good people because like I said, as much as we can keep an eye on stuff, if you don't have people that you can trust to know that they can do their job, if we have to step into the dining room or you have to take a phone call you have to step away for a few minutes and everything goes sideways because you didn't do something right. It doesn't matter how consistent you are. So I'd say hiring good people and having those processes in place. Um, obviously consistency, which is going to be, you know, my thing to live up to for the rest of my life because <laughs> I have people coming back. So if I mess something up, I'm the one who ruined the consistency or something changed. Um, and thirdly, I would just say you always have to be on the lookout for what's up and coming, whether it's social media changes, whether it's different way to market, different different connections. Um, we do a lot of fundraisers. Being a part of the community is the biggest thing that you can do because the marketing you get from that, the word of mouth, knowing that you're a business that's here to help other businesses or other people, it doesn't matter how much money you would spend on marketing on Facebook or radio advertising. You know, you go out of your way to help people, that's going to get around a lot faster than a regular ad. What about the don't do's? John, you got a list of top three don't do's? Oh, don't do's. Don't go cheap. Don't go cheap on pizza sauce. Don't go, I mean, your ingredients, I mean, like you said, pizza's not rocket science, but you have to start with the correct, the correct ingredients. And I mean, there's, you can buy pizza sauce from probably 90 different people, but there's one company that we use full red and they're like the gold standard of pizza sauce. And that's all we've used. That's what pizza has used probably since the, well, since this building's been here, 1970, you know, it's just don't go cheap on the cheese, the sauce, you know, I mean, just use a quality ingredient. And then something my brother always taught me, don't, um, don't overthink a decision. You're going to make a hundred decisions in a night when you're working. Some may be right. Some may be wrong, but 
You just got to live with it. Don't overthink it. Make the decision. It's kind of like having a relief pitcher when they give up a home run. You got to forget about it and go on. You know, you just, you can't dwell if you made a bad decision on something that, you know, that's, that's one thing my brother taught me that, you know, in management, you're going to make bad decisions, but you got to walk and live another day. And then don't think you're a know-it-all. I've learned so much from him, you know, about technology and all that other stuff that I didn't think was important that, but it truly was, you know, I don't care how long you do something, you don't know it all. And I think I got that almost from, I think Mark Cuban always said, I always try to hire people that are smarter than me because I'm going to learn something, you know, so having bright people around you just makes you better. CJ, what about you? Top three don't. My first, yeah, my first one kind of goes with him. Uh, don't skimp, you know, don't skimp on orders of nuggets. Don't skimp on ingredients. People have, have grown custom. You know, you order a pizza here, you're not getting a pizza with seven pieces of sausages on it. You're getting a pizza loaded up with sausage. You're paying for quality. So make sure you're giving the customer quality. Don't skimp, don't go cheap. Um, secondly, you know, don't put things off to the last minute like we were talking about maintenance. You know, don't wait for something bad to happen to try to figure out how you're going to solve it. Don't let those situations come up. Uh, and lastly, you know, just don't be afraid to adapt. Don't be afraid to take chances and take risks. You know, maybe, maybe you know, like you did, said, you're a different business. We tried working with some of those third-party deliveries and it didn't work out. We figured that out. It didn't work for us and we changed course. Don't be afraid to take a risk because you don't think it could be successful. And sometimes the things that aren't successful turn into being a knowledge base to be a better successful decision for the next time that that situation gets brought up. Any other advice you guys would give somebody that is, is in business or even looking to get into business and get started? Just be ready to put in a lot of time to run a successful business. It's a, it's, well, our business, the restaurant business is a very, a very uh, time consuming business. I mean, you have deliveries during the day, you have, you know, special things. Maybe you're making pizzas for 50 people at noon, or maybe you're doing this or doing that, you know, just really put, put everything you have into it. You know, you have to love what you're doing to be, to be in the restaurant business. I mean, it, um, it really, it really shows when you go into somewhere and you know that, that they really care about their product when you, when you see it, or you see their building, it's clean. The outside is all nice and clean. I mean, it's just, it's just something with, um, you know, uh, uh, a pride thing, you know, when it's your business and, I have it where I had my two other brothers. So they all come and say, well, I've been coming here for 40 years with Larry and Donnie, you know? So if I do something wrong, he hears about it before I do. <laughs> and, you know, and they'll now, go to Larry. I was there last night and this was this, 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 and this, you know, and that's their talk. side. And then when I tell Larry my side, sometimes there's a little truth in the middle. You need to talk to your brother. He's screwing it up. Yeah. And that, and that really did come about when Larry retired, everybody said we changed everything and all that, but they were just missing him being here, 
you know, he was, Larry was definitely more of a, a dining room person, you know, coming out and talking to everybody. That's not my forte. I'm getting better at it now, but they just missed him. And I think they just felt slighted when I didn't go out and talk to them because I don't know them from Adam, you know, so, but Larry did. So that was the first couple years he retired was a, a lot of grief on my end from, from longtime customers that he always dealt with. And, and that's like, even with, with my brick and mortar, that was hard because I had a, a history and tradition that not only was it not my history, not my tradition, but it wasn't mine to mess with and screw up. And, right. You know, it's, it's, that's a challenge. Well, I, yeah. I think we've, we've covered a lot. You guys, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I think there's, there's a lot of useful information here. I, I hope people, as I like to say, is take CJ and John's wheel, put the wheel into your business and get rolling. I think there's some great information that ap applies to any industry, any business. It doesn't have to be restaurant, doesn't have to be pizza delivery or anything else. I think you guys provided a, a ton of information and, and thanks, thanks for taking time out of your day to, to spend an hour plus with me. If you like our content be sure to subscribe to our channel leave us a comment below also be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast provider see the links in the description below